Hello and welcome to the Tron Church Talking Points podcast. My name's Fraser and today I'm here with Paul and with Josh and we're here just to, to keep talking through and thinking through some of the big talking points from uh, Sunday's sermons. Um, so on Sunday we heard Josh uh, preaching to us from Luke chapter 3 in the morning and in the evening we were in a large section from Ezekiel with Willie looking at chapters 8, 9 and 10 and we're going to start there. Um, Willie opened his sermon um, with this quote from, from Anselm. He said, you have not yet begun to consider the greatness of the weight of sin. So Paul, why do you think we are often reticent to talk about sin and to think about its weight and severity? Well, there's probably lots of probably lots of reasons for that, but uh, certainly part of it is you know sin is something that's so all-encompassing uh, in our lives. There's no aspect of us that is untainted. Our minds, our hearts, our desires are all misshapen by sin so we, we can't even think about it <laughs> in an objective way and because sin affects all of us none of us is sort of off the hook in a sense it's never very comfortable to have to talk about it and I think there's a slight rest reticence um, when it comes to talking about that and, and even in church uh, there can be a slight discomfort about having to tackle that and, you know, I wonder if coming into Sunday evening, if we knew exactly what the content was going to be, would that be something we'd bring a friend along to or, you know, somebody who's maybe not yet a Christian, we want them to come and sit under that. Mm. I think a lot of us would probably be quite uncomfortable, but that's because we don't really see sin properly. Uh, we don't see sin in the way that God does. Mm. And actually, we do need to come to terms with it. Is the very thing we need to come and hear, and it's what our friends need to hear. Uh, but we can sort of get a bit squeamish about it. Mm. Um, and that is not the fault of the Bible. That's not God's fault. Uh, it's ours, and the discomfort is our problem. Um, yeah. So I think that's maybe part of part of our hesitancy. Mm. Yeah, and our, like it, it's interesting, isn't it, that it is our sinfulness which is masking this very thing, just in seeing the severity of sin. And so when we read passages like this, which speak of judgment and yeah. um, the price that needs to be paid for sin, it, it does shock us. And it, yeah, we're, we're obviously recognizing on some level that this is what we deserve. And yeah. there's that attempt to escape from it almost. In there. That's right. And we, you know, by very nature, we want to diminish sin. And the wider world, um, not only wants to diminish sin, but to glorify it mm. and to celebrate it. And so, you know, the things that the Lord determines are sin, particular things. Um, actually, they're the things that the world around us celebrates. And we can't escape it. Mm. We just have to turn on TVs for a, a minute to see sin being promoted and celebrated and honoured. Mm. And so if that's going on all around us, if that's what we're seeing and hearing, if it's what's in the music we listen to, the social media we follow... To suddenly have the opposite being said is really, it's quite uncomfortable, isn't it? Mm. And maybe we are quickly embarrassed by that because well, everybody else thinks this is okay and, you know, what's the big deal? And actually, we just totally do not get mm. the seriousness of sin. And that was also helpful last night 
just feeling the weightiness yep. of sin and what an affront that is to God, not just in the world, but in the church. Yeah, it was in it the was professing church. Quite um, striking, wasn't it? That, you know, it's not only when we turn on our TVs that we see this, and it's not only in the world around us, but we saw those pictures last night and where they were speaking of this is in the heart of the church, mm-hmm. that they're not only tolerating sin, but celebrating it and promoting it. And that's, you know, it's really tragic, isn't it? That this has found its way, just as it had in Ezekiel's day, right into the heart of the church. And the people who should be calling people to repentance are, you know, celebrating it instead. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that's clearly a wrong response to to celebrate it, what what should we be doing? What's the... How how do we go about talking about sin more in a in a helpful way that's going to expose the reality? Well, I think there's no magic answer here. My the answer I'm going to offer is, is pretty straightforward. But we, you know, we want to take the Bible seriously and let that hmm. um, determine what we think about uh, well everything, but in particular what we think about sin and how we relate to God. And so it's as we work through the Bible as we uh, take it passage by passage as we work through books like Ezekiel. The students are looking at Romans at the moment, which deals um, very straightforwardly with with sin and what's going on in the world and the fact that not only do we turn away from God's way, but we celebrate and um, rejoice in, in sin. Um, so just coming back to the Bible and letting that mm-hmm. d- dictate. So it's not... It's not us conjuring up hmm. ideas about how we can communicate about this. It's actually we take our cues from God's word and being unashamed to tackle things like last night hmm. because I think given the choice, I think we would probably opt not to teach on passages like that. Hmm. I'm sure if if uh, you gave Willie the option, would you prefer to speak on something else? I think you would prefer to speak on something else, but hmm. that's not our approach. Uh, we let the Bible determine mm. the agenda and what the Bible says we must faithfully pass on and teach. Yeah. Um, so that, that I think, is our how we're to go about it. And, mm. yeah, and, and the Bible is perfectly balanced. Mm-hmm. So, yes, dealing with it is very sobering. But on the other hand, there are passages in the Bible that deal the great joys of the Christian life. So it's not unbalanced. Mm-hmm. Um but we do need to deal with reality and particularly because of what's going on in the world and what's going on in the church even, we do need real clarity about mm. what sin is and the weight of it and the severity of it. Yeah. Yeah, I was speaking with uh, some people after the service yesterday and we were sort of saying, I'm glad, glad it wasn't me up there. But at the same time, I'm glad that Willie was up there and is willing to mm. be bold enough and say these things. And you, know, you guys will feel it as well, I'm sure, when you have to, preach these difficult passages Mm. um but as a congregation we could be thankful that we have um people who are willing to expound uh, scripture faithfully and to to keep doing that we need to pray for that as well i think another thing just building on what paul's saying um we also need to we need to be aware and um thoughtfully engage with what's actually happening around us Mm. all the time and um, there's not just a, a switch that flicks that moves that that, that the world um, and the church moves from um, thinking something is sin to then rejoicing in it. Mm. it. You know, our 
you know, Satan's a lot more subtle than that, isn't he? Mm-hmm. He undermines it. He he minimizes it. He obscures it. He all sorts of things happen before it goes from, you know, um, the church recognizing something sin to, you know, a church then claiming it as something to to celebrate. Mm-hmm. It's not that's not a week apart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so actually, you know, critic critically being aware of what it, what are the message what are the messages that we see on tv that we read that are coming to us all the time and, and being able to engage okay this this is this is being put before us as something that's we, people want to happen it's positive um but actually is, does that how does that chime with the bible it you know, you think of you know the way films and things work with when you when you see the the, the two sort of main protagonists in a in a thing you know you, you can see they're they're destined to get together and mm. there's there's part of you just slightly you know you know, isn't isn't it great they finally got together? But of course, that's completely mm. you know, morally that's not actually right. But but the power of what you're seeing helps you. Um, there's there's something that might think oh that there's something positive about that when when we know there's not, mm. and that's just a a tiny example. But actually, the way all kinds of human sexuality is put to us, it it's actually subtle attacks to you know oh love's wonderful, all all kinds of things that need to be engage with before it swaps from um this is sin to this is worth celebrating yeah yeah these things haven't sprung up overnight and you know there's a sense in which we see that in the passage as well when ezekiel's taken on this you know terrible tour and it's Mm. but you're going to see worse than this and you're going to see worse than this it's not just a a one-off little blip this is you know deeply rooted deeply ingrained right at the heart of the the temple even um all the elders even jazz and i even him um Mm. it's permeated all the way down and that doesn't just happen overnight um and it's to get something out of it Mm. it's not just you trying trying to draw in egypt's help Mm. egypt's help um you know actually falling for these things there's always something that we want about there's something behind it there's something we actually want yeah um, and we're looking in the wrong place for it Mm. yeah it's, it's trying to assimilate with the world where really we ought to be you know, marked out as different. And Willie mentioned as well, didn't he, that um, as God's people, we should be marked on the forehead with um, his name. And it's mm-hmm. it's going to be evident to everyone who we come into contact because we've got this right on our foreheads that we are different and distinct. Yeah. I, I, I thought that was very, very chastening for me to think about um, the those who get the marker it's not just those who you know doctrinally will say yes of course oh that's bad oh yeah that's wrong it was actually those who were grieving about it mm. who were actually bothered about it who were actually praying about it mm. um and you know, we've, we've got to think realistically about that in our world with all that's going on are we happy to say in private uh, you know in the four walls of the church you know of course um the pride movement is um you know we shouldn't be supporting that mm. but then happily going along to um something that's called a wedding that isn't really possible to be a marriage you know at, at what level do we are we bothered enough to actually make a stand to say something to to be unpopular to actually you know be brought to tears in prayer for what that actually holds for our nation our neighbors our colleagues um mm. Yeah, there's a sense in which, it can, you know, within the the comfort of the church, it's, it's almost easy to talk about these things. And, 
you know, we we get the theory, we understand it, we're on board. But as soon as you're uh, put in a situation where there's, you know, relational capital on the line, you have mm. to offend people and you know it will offend people. It just becomes so much harder to do that. Um, it does. It does. Yeah. We saw um, the the failures of the church to, in being distinct and in calling people to repent. Instead, they were promoting this this message of acceptance and of love and saying that that is a, a loving message to preach. But really, the reality is that it is unloving. We were reminded a couple of weeks ago um, in Ezekiel chapter 3 that there really is nothing more unloving mm -hmm. than when we have these warnings of judgment and we know that it's coming and we're not willing to to warn people. Um, and really what we have to be doing is is calling people to repentance. And Josh, you're speaking about that in the morning um, from Luke chapter 3, that gospel preaching requires this call to repentance. That's um, really the the essence of, of John's message, isn't it? It was... Um, I, I certainly find it striking that, you know, I've heard this passage many times before, you know, make straight the ways of the Lord. But what does that look like? Well, it's not let's put on a big show of pomp and circumstance, but it's get on your knees and, and repent. Yeah, it, it, it's I, I wonder when you read uh, verse, verse three of Luke chapter three and um, John goes about all the region proclaiming baptism, repentance, forgiveness of sins. um. I wonder what people are thinking is going to be his message. And, you know, this, the summing up of it in verse 18, he preached good news to the people. And then the first thing he says is, you brood of vipers. <laughs> um, we, we can't hide away from that. Re real gospel preaching um, isn't just, um, you know, here's, here's something good in a vacuum. It's actually the goodness of the gospel, the, the wonders of grace are actually magnified by realizing mm. what the alternative is mm. and so you know making making clear that judgment is real and it's coming um i mean that the, the language the language of the winnowing fork mm. and the, the chaff being burned with unquenchable fire that it ought it ought to give anyone pause for thought it's mm. it's a it's a terrifying prospect mm. but that's what makes the arrival of the savior so <laughs> so wonderful and, and the, the gospel preacher doesn't short doesn't stop short of you know, just laying out the facts. It's here are the facts, but <laughs> you know, so there's an implication, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. You gotta, you have to repent. And you, the very next verse, the um, in Luke three, you know, John preached the good news, but Herod, who had been reproved, reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, threw him in prison. Hmm. So John has clearly been setting out to Herod. The implications of the gospel are you need to repent of your affair with your brother's wife, mm -hmm. and that is why John. That's why Herod got so angry because John was insisting on repentance, and mm -hmm. it's not just some nice information about Jesus and his death and resurrection. Actually, that means you've got to repent mm -hmm. because your sin necessitated the Son of God coming to this earth and dying on a cross mm -hmm. for your sin. And again, it goes back to what we thought about last night, the weight of sin. Yeah. Uh, unless we grasp that, the cross is unimportant. <laughs> unless we grasp the depth of sin mm. and what it took for God to deal with that. Mm -hmm. Well, when we realize that, well, we'll repent mm. because we realize what we've done. Um, 
So I thought it just tied in so well. And and that that exposes well the the kind of um, the silliness. Uh, what was Calvin's word? The, the stupidity of you know thinking oh I'm gonna I'm I'm okay I've I've done I've ticked this little box I've um, made myself a little refuge. The judgment of God has nothing to do with me. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, actually, when when we when we grasp the weight of sin, actually that that makes the point about the need for repentance. It it can't be just a oh we'll sprinkle some water over me. It has to be a, um, a thoroughgoing, heartfelt mm. uh, repentance. Yeah, it's, it's not just a, a kind of superficial thing or, a, you know, go through the motions and just, well, you know, do it like for an hour and then just say I'm sorry at the end and everything will be fine. And we saw that as well with the, you know, you're pointing out how real repentance is, is evident because it involves a, a change in in the way that you're, living your life the way that you're uh, treating your material possessions. Um, there were the different groups of people who weren't there and how it sort of looks differently. The tax collectors, well, what was the sign of their repentance? Well, it was that they were dealing honestly with people. They were no longer cheating people out of their, their money and being dishonest in that way. But it actually, if they put their money where their mouth is, then it's that's that's what real repentance looks like. Uh, Ralph Davis and it is he's got he's got a really excellent little book on Luke. Um, he uses an example of repentance in that of um, in this local town there was a drunkard who had come to faith and he'd been hopeless at his job and all the rest. But the sign of repentance was he was out hoeing the field that he was meant to be working. Hmm. What well, what was what was obvious that he'd come to faith, he'd recognised his sin, had come to the Lord Jesus. He's out working the field. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not. It's not a spectacular um, uh, kind of bells and whistles looking thing, mm. except that it actually is the manifestation of something that's utterly miraculous. Mm. And we could we could see that you know there there are people uh, who we know who like brothers and sisters who you can see the transformation mm. that God works in their lives, and it's so encouraging. And you know. Speaking for myself as well, you could, if I reflect back on ways in which I was living, you know, five, six, seven more years ago, you, you can see the way which God changes people, and um, it's wonderfully encouraging that actually the gospel works. And yes, we're we're still sinners, but um, we are being changed, and um, yeah, the the evidence of that is all around us. We see it. Um, in in our our own lives and in mm. lives of brothers and sisters and yeah, sure. Charles Charles Spurgeon wasn't it talking about his maid who became a Christian? He yeah. said, "Well, she now sweeps under the mats." You know, it's, <laughs> there's, there's an evidence there of uh, work being done properly. That it's, you can see it. You can see the fruit of it mm. in people's lives when when they repent. Yeah. There was a one of the key people. Um, for me, you know, wanting to to stand with the Lord Jesus when I was when I was young to to take him seriously and all the rest was was seeing someone in my family who um had been a bit of a terror really and um had kind of professed faith um but hadn't really changed much and then they went away on a a trip somewhere and when they came back it was like a different person hmm. it was it was. You, the repentance was obvious, mm. and it just spoke. It spoke volumes. Yeah. Um. And for some people, re- there might be the dramatic, 
um, literally everything's changed. But for other people, repentance might be a little, one or two little things hmm. is the start, and it builds and builds and builds. And actually, oh gosh, here's another area of my life that hmm. <laughs> I need to I need to think about what it looks like to walk walk hmm. in faith and repentance repentance here. Um, but I I think one of the, one of the really encouraging things in this passage is it is down to earth. Hmm. It's not um, it's not go and be some someone you're not. Mm-hmm. It's wherever you are, you know, it was to the tax collector, it's, well, don't collect more taxes than you should. Yeah. It's not stopping a tax collector and why don't you go over and go to seminary and, you know, become the next rabbi. Or, you know. Yeah. yeah it's <laughs> That's not, encouraging. It means we can all do it. Yeah, and it's it's just part of our our everyday lives. It's There is real transformation, but it doesn't you totally, fundamentally change like what what we're doing and it's that then becomes evident to those we are interacting with on a day-to-day basis and our our lifestyle becomes evangelistic in that Mm. sense as well doesn't Mm. it because even if it is just small things people will pick up on that and yes our evangelism is in what we say and in calling people to repent but actually by living faithfully um that is witnessing for Christ and right. the transformation. Well, so I just I was doing the onboard uh, course last night, doing the witness talk, and I'll quote this every time. But James Philip talks about the fact that what will convince people about the Christian faith is not just bare doctrine, but the fact that it works, mm. uh, the fact that it's visible, you can see it, and so that's very encouraging for all of us because all of us uh, are normal Christians, and a normal Christian life which is a life marked by repentance, um, is going to be really compelling to other people because they'll see it. Now, we don't, we don't feel very special. Like Everyone listening to this podcast does not feel like a superstar Christian. Mm. Um, but all of us, by fact, we are Christians. That in itself mm. is going to shine brightly to people around us. Mm. Um, it'll be compelling. Mm. Uh, people will see it and they'll notice. They'll notice. Mm. Um, so I think that's just an encouragement I find it encouraging every time I give that talk. It's like, yes, that's right. <laughs> I don't have to be special. Just a normal Christian will do. Mm. Yeah, and that that's what people need, isn't it? That's their, their greatest need is to to see that. And people are in such darkness and there is little, well, there's nothing really that the world is offering. Um, so, yeah, I guess that spurs us on all the more to to seek to reach reach the lost. Um Great. Well, that's really helpful. Um, next week, we've got both of you guys preaching. Josh, you're in the morning again. Is that right? And Luke? Yeah. So Sunday morning, we're moving on to the next part of uh, Luke. So from 321, um, Jesus' uh, baptism um, by John, and then uh, through the, the genealogy, and uh, then also into... Start of chapter four and Jesus' temptations in the wilderness. So helpful to read, uh, read through um, that in advance if you can. So end of chapter three into chapter four. Great. And then Paul, you're doing another one-off. Got a one-off in Acts. Yeah, going to be in Acts nineteen, the riot in Ephesus. Hmm. Um, asking the question: Is the gospel dangerous? Hmm. Well, there's a bit of a teaser for you. Something to look forward to next week. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and we hope you listen again next week. Thank you.